Psalm number 19, beginning in verse number 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It just said that in the song, didn't it? The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So you got gold and you got fine gold, right? I don't, I don't think I can get this thing off my finger. I forget what it says inside. It's probably, no, it's probably says 14, you know, carat. Um, I think, I'm not positive, maybe somebody can correct me, but I think the higher it goes, is that right, Brother Donnie, the purer it is, say 24 carat gold, I don't, that may be what this, I don't know, but I also know that the higher the carat goes, the softer it gets too. Um, when I was working in the rock pit, this and the heavy equipment, this got, you're not supposed to wear rings. That's another OSHA thing, you know, when you're out there working heavy equipment. But this is egg-shaped now. It's no longer round like it used to be. But um, gold, fine gold, right? Sweeter also than honey. It's one thing to have honey. It's another thing to have honey fresh from the honeycomb. I mean, honey doesn't spoil. I know it kind of crystallizes. You can throw it in the microwave, you know, and you can kind of reconstitute it. But, uh, but yeah, but it's, um, I don't know if you've, anybody ever eaten honeycomb before? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, kind of a waxy, you know, sort of substance, isn't it? Chew on a little while. Um, I don't know if it stays in your digestive system like bubble gum does. They say it takes years to process that. But um, anyway, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Verse number 11, moreover by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors. You think there might be anything that you do that you know you don't know that you ought not to be doing? You think there's anything that you do that the Lord just hasn't, for whatever reason, put his finger on yet? You think there's anything that you do that 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 might um I there's some things I know that I do that annoy Teresa, but um, I do them anyway. I tell her that I'm flirting with her. She says it's annoying. I don't know. I don't understand um, how it could be one thing to me and another thing to her. You know, I know how I'm in it. You know, but <clears throat> anyway, there's things that we can do that it can annoy one another, um, and we not know it. You know, we not know it. So, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Um, do you you want to be clean? You don't intentionally want to annoy somebody, um, you know, offend somebody. We could use a different word there. That'd probably be better. We don't intentionally want to offend uh, someone. We shouldn't want to. It is. We shouldn't. And 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 it, bringing that up, we ought to be sensitive. I mean, if somebody is easily offended, we don't need to keep poking them. Um, you know, let the Lord cause them to grow. You know, I, I'm not the one that that needs to that needs to offend them, to, to cause them to do whatever it is I think they need to be doing. 
Uh, a lot of times when I see that going on in my household, I said something to one of them yesterday. I can't even, where is Lydia? Is she in here? Lydia's not in here? She's in the kitchen? I think I said it to her. Did I say it to you? I said it to you. Stay in your own lane. <laughs> yeah. Stay in your own lane. <clears throat> Worrying about somebody else. Mind your own beeswax. Yeah, mind your own knitting. You know, we heard that at the Baba conference that we went to the other day. I never, I don't know, I maybe have heard, you heard that before, Brother JT? Mind your own knitting? Yeah. yeah. Where was he from? He said that was Oklahoma. That was a common saying up in Oklahoma. Down here, you know, mind your own business, you know. Um, but, you know, sure. I mean, that, it, it, that's what I would, Ann and I were actually talking about. It wasn't because she was in trouble about something. You know, we were talking about the fact that the disciples, you know, John's you know, here and Peter's like, what about this man? You know, that's none of your concern. You be concerned about what I've given you to do. He'll be concerned about what I've given him to do. Now, if we take that message that we heard, we may have to come along and help him do the thing that he's given to do. Um, but um, my chief concern is what, you know, the Lord's put before me, set before me. So um, how about the next one? So we've got secret things. What's the next one talking about? Presumptuous. To presume upon presumptuous sins, things that you do that you know are wrong, and you you know it's against God's law, and you do it anyway. That's presumptuous. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright. I shall be innocent from great transgression. I could fall into some pretty bad stuff. Um, Lord, I don't want to presume upon your grace. I don't want to be presumptuous. You know, I want to I be kept from those things. Verse number 14. You know this verse, don't you? Let the words of my mouth. And we've, we've sung it as a scripture song before in, in my household. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. My strength and my redeemer. Is that so with us? Do we, really, do we really live that? Let the words of my mouth, those are the spoken words that people hear around me. And the meditation of my heart, those are the words the Lord hears. Those are the things that I say in secret that you don't hear, but the Lord knows them. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Are the words of our mouth acceptable in God's sight? The things that we choose to say, are they acceptable in God's sight? The med- same thing with the meditation of our heart. Is it acceptable in God's sight? Is this, I mean, there are things that come to my mind, I'm sure, just like yours. I'm like, I don't want that in my mind. That's not acceptable in God's sight. I don't want that to live there. I'm not going to worship at that altar. I want that to be gone. I want that to be removed. I don't want that to dwell in my mind. You know, so... Those are the verses that, that we want to try to look at this morning. So before we do, let's go once again to the Lord in prayer and ask um, Brother Bruce, if he would, to pray for us.
Yes. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Maybe seated. So, Psalm 72, verse number 17 says, His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued. You were talking about the sun last week, right? Shall be continued as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall be blessed or shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. That's all he does, wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. So we've seen God's glory in the first six verses in creation. Not a place. The light doesn't shine. Not a place where God's glory is not visible, is not seen. And here this morning in the remaining verses, we're seeing God's glory in his word. God's glory in his word. The heavens declare the glory of God. We said last week, makes man responsible. All men are responsible before God. That's enough light to make a man responsible. Here, in the remaining verses, further light. There was one witness. Here's another witness, the word of God. Um, So, those who know and love the truth... As we look at some of these things, we saw last week that those who are outside of Christ that see the light of creation, what are they doing with it for the most part? Most men suppressing the truth. For us, what's our desire? We're, we're not, they don't want God in their thoughts, right? But here in what we're looking at, we're, we're seeing something quite different, aren't we? What David's saying, he does want God in his thoughts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Keep me from presumptuous sin. Clean me, you know, cleanse me from you know, my errors. You know, he wants God in his thoughts. So, 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and things that are despised God hath chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Read all that to get here. But of him, that is Christ, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom 
and righteous and sanctification. And redemption. That according as it is written, you know, there's the glory of the Son. Here's the glory of Christ. Him that glory, let him glory in the Lord. Let him glory in the Lord. And I was listening to a message this week on this passage out of Jeremiah 9.23. It was actually, some of you know him, Jeff Johnson. You know Brother Jeff Johnson, Bruce? Don Johnson's son? <clears throat> he was preaching a message, and he was talking about how that he was a young man. You know, that he just, he, basketball was everything to him. And that he used to just daydream about, and he, he said, I lived back in the back of the subdivision, you know, sort of thing. And he said it was, a, he said it was, it was not really middle class, you know, it was kind of a lower, you know, area, income area. And I used to dream about Michael Jordan driving up in a car and stepping out and saying, I see you playing basketball, you want to play a game? I mean, he just had this life-size, you know, picture of Michael Jordan in his bedroom. He said that my parents hated it. Um, but um, he went on to talk about, you know, how that he just wanted one day to meet him. But he said, you know what? Something better happened to me. He said, I met God. I met God. And so he came from this passage out of Jeremiah 9.23 that says, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth. You know, think about how many people would say, I mean, how many people do you know, Danny, that would say, I know I pick on you every week, don't I? How many people do you know that would say, boy, I just, if I could just meet this sports, you know, figure so-and-so, you know, I mean, there's, I, I know what it was like when I was in school, you know, whether it was baseball, football, whatever, if I could just meet that person, you know, my life would almost be complete. Um, you know, they just idolize, you know, them to such a degree that, it, that there, there's really something missing because I haven't yet met him or her, you know, whatever the case may be. But here we're being told, I mean, it doesn't matter who they are. I mean, the king of England, uh, the president of the United States, you know, some Maharaja somewhere, um, you know, whoever the person might be. What does it matter as far as eternity is concerned? You know, what, what type of, I don't know, they still use this term anymore, Danny, what type of street cred would that give you? You know, street credentials, right? I don't know, you ever hear that? They, it, that's not used anymore, okay. Showing my, showing my age. You know, what kind of, you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Donnie? You know, what kind of street cred could you get out of that? Um, but the, the, the word of God says, let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? I mean, Brother Bruce was down in that nuclear submarine. He can't tell us the coordinates on any, on any date where he was. That's still top secret information. I'm not joking. There are some things that you can't, you can't say. There's still, I mean, they would be able to figure something out maybe that happened that time. But anyway. Oh, censored, yeah. So, yeah, still kept secret. Um, you know, that's hard for us to understand, but that's need to know, right? 
That's, that's military, right? Need-to-know basis. That's, that's something that's told a lot to the military. That's on a need-to-know basis. You don't have security clearance, you know, for that. Um, well, guess what? I, I've got a greater security clearance than that. I've met somebody greater than the President of the United States. Um, I'm not saying that we don't respect the office. Uh, okay, pick out your favorite president. You know, don't, you know, if you don't like the one now. I know that's not the greatest example maybe for you with the present president, but respect the office still, right? We're not to speak evil. I mean, when, when, there was, when Obama was in office, I asked for a show of you know, hands one time, who's praying for our president? And most of the heads went down. You know, we're, we're to pray for our leaders. Uh, we're not to speak evil you know, of our rulers. Now, I'm not saying we can't name you know, that's wrong. Uh, you know, that shouldn't be done. That's not right in the sight of God. Um, but nonetheless, whoever it may be, you know, whoever is venerated in our day, whoever is exalted in our day, in whatever area that may be, whether it be a song uh, writer or someone who sings or it be someone who plays sports or it be... Someone in the political, you know, realm. I can't think of many people that are exalted in that place, but, but um, you know, whatever the case may be. Hmm? Oh, someone that's just intelligent. Um, you know, someone that has great wisdom. Um, you know, uh, how many kids that are, that are, you know, maybe on the nerdy side of things, you know, have a, a picture of, of Einstein, you know, on their, on their wall, you know. Maybe the one even with his tongue sticking out. You've seen that one before, haven't you? Um, but whoever a person is that is that is exalted, you know, in in our day and age, what what compares? Let him who glories, you know, glory in this that he understands and knows me, um, that I am the Lord, which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Now, you can learn some things from creation. God's eternal power and Godhead are, he's God. He is mighty. Um, You can learn some things from this that we just read there. uh, Those are not some things necessarily that you're going to um, learn except, you know, from Scripture. You know, God revealing himself unto you in his word. This book, and I was looking for this one this morning. Where are you at, Anna? You remember this one, don't you? I haven't used this one in a while. She, she put this cover on for me. <clears throat> it says on here, we preach Christ and him crucified. This is what it says on here. But this book, it's not like any other book. Um, as far as books go, yeah, there's books that are bound like this book. You know, whether the Smithsonian, you know, binding, you know, is there. There are other books maybe that use the same sort of paper and ink, um, may have the same number of pages, uh, maybe more pages. I don't know. I mean, there are other books, but there's no other book like this book. No other book like this book. No other book contains the content of this book. I mean, we're talking about in these pages redemption from our sins and reconciliation 
with God. Proverbs 8.35 says, Whoso findeth me findeth life. Findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. I can have somebody's favor, but what is that favor compared to the Lord's favor? Uh, In fact, I could lose their favor because I desire the Lord's favor over their favor, right? I I listened to a conference this week with uh, one of my daughters and the speaker mentioned the uniqueness of the Bible and uh, gave some statistics. He said that um, in its uniqueness, no other book has the number of authors that this book has. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not talking about the books, but the actual authors, the people that, you know, because there's some that have written multiple, you know, books, but, but uh, like Paul, for instance, most of the New Testament, right? But 39, you know, or so authors, you know, we have there. There's some debate, you know, over exactly, how, some would say 40, but um, 1,450, you know, over a 1,450-year span, you know, this, this book has been written in. Um, by the Holy Spirit moving upon men to write from various walks of life, educated men. You remember what they said about the disciples? They were fishermen, right? What did that mean? Uneducated, right? Uneducated. But they took note of the wisdom that they had because what? They had been with Jesus, you know. Um, Kings, Jews, Gentiles. Uh, prophets, common people, uh, the likelihood of this many people over that span of time writing the same thing. I mean, because this, this is Christ. Um, I forget the exact quote of Luther, but he, he was talking about that within its pages. Um, you remember what it was? I read it to you, didn't I? Uh, I can't remember. Something about the, the cradle, you know, um, and then some other, I don't know, I shouldn't even brought it up, I can't remember it. <clears throat> but th- that many people writing that amount of time, three continents, three different languages. Um, if you're wondering what the third one is, Sister Provi, what is it? They have Greek and Hebrew. Aramaic, yeah, yeah. Or Aramaic, I don't know, it depends how you say it, but but um, Bruce is probably right. I'll defer to him. But um, one message, one continual theme, one plan of salvation, nothing short of miraculous. The things that God, the kind of things that God does, right? Nothing short of miraculous. But uh, there's, there's no other religious book. I mean, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, um, the Watchtower Society and the things they put out, you know, whatever. None, no other book can be trusted like this book. True. How we got here. Mm-hmm. Right. Right defining point in history. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes, that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and, and I think what he was saying is not just talking about Christ coming, you know, to, to, to the earth 
God manifest in the flesh, but the fact also that from beginning to end, this is Christ. This is the message. The gospel is Christ, right? Um, so God is its author. Christ is its message. Um, and, and no other book shares the uniqueness of the Bible like that. Um, and, and, and why do I make that point? Because you hear David through what's being said is the Bible is true. The Bible can be trusted. Uh, the Bible is sure. You know, he goes through those things as we're looking at them. Um, you know, of course, thinking along those lines, we think about passages like Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But read all that to get here. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. I mean, how that should enrapture our thoughts and capture our attention. This is God's word unto us. Um, all Scripture, yes, is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. All Scripture is profitable. Some people, you know, they leave the Old Testament alone. We got the New Testament. Well, we may include the Psalms. But, you know, what do we need the Old Testament for? You know, no, all Scripture all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, that we all might be perfect, thoroughly furnished, undo all good works, he says. So we saw the light of God's creation, first six verses. Here's the light of God's revealed word unto us. Um, think, think about this. Tell me. I don't know. I was looking over at Bruce, but I don't want to defer just to him. How many? How much of the Bible do you think David had? Hmm. They had the the Pentateuch for sure, the first five books. You know how much more? Think he had the Psalms? No, he's writing the Psalms, right? Yeah. How about First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings? Well, that kind of stuff was being written, you know, about him, you know. Um, so maybe through about Ruth and throw in Job, um, not very much, and not very much. But, but um, look what he says unto us. I mean, all these, these psalms that we've gone through, um, you know, this is the inspiration of God uh, that's, that he's writing uh, by here, the light of God's revealed word unto him. Um, what a glorious thing the word of God is, and yet men seek to suppress not just the light of creation, but the truth of God's word, the light of God's word as well. Instead of glorify, glorifying God, because this glorifies God, right? Instead of glorifying God and turning here to the word of God, you see people turning to things like horoscopes. Instead of looking at the stars and glorifying God because of the starry heavens that he has created, they're looking to the stars and trying to figure out what do I eat today for my horoscope? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to work? Should I even go outside today? No, I need to call in sick because my horoscope's not a good horoscope today, so I just don't need to walk out the door. Something might happen to me. Um, that'd be a terrible way to live, wouldn't it? To, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be bondage, you know, to be bound to your horoscope? 
um, and what it says about you. And I, I know that was something that was more popular in, in, in days gone by, but I still hear people talk about it. I mean, I can go to the lumber yard and the people behind the contractor's desk, I'm a Taurus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you still see them? We don't. Yeah. Right. And I, I, we don't see them much up here. We were at the fair yesterday. I didn't see a tent. You know, or go in and see Madam Whoever, and she'll tell you your future, you know. Uh, to be bound by that. I'd rather be bound by God's word. I'd be, rather be bound by its truth, bound to its, tied to its truth. Um, that, that, that in the pages, I mean, you, you think about what Isaiah 40, verse 8 says the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God, how long is it going to last? It's going to endure forever. I mean, Madam so-and-so and the tarot cards and the horoscopes and all of those things, even Dear Abby, you know, we can throw lots of things in there, you know, not going to last. Like the flower fadeth, grass withereth. We saw some grass wither this year, didn't we? I mean, we had some heat. We saw a lot of grass wither. You didn't have to bail hay. It was on the ground, brother. It was everywhere. There was just a bunch of hay on the ground. Wasn't anything alive. But we're told that the word of God is perfect. It converts the soul. We're told that it's sure. It makes wise the simple. That it's right. That it rejoices the heart. That it's pure. That it enlightens the eyes. That it's clean. That it endures forever. That the word of God, the understanding that it brings, that it brings the, the, the fear of God. I mean, we tremble, you know, and cower before him. Oh, here comes God. You know, he's going to beat us overhead with a stick. No, there's a reverence. There's a love. There's a joy. There's an adoration. Um, so we're talking about those things. We talk about fear. Um, and then I know there's also the sense of I, I don't want anything to be between. Uh, I, 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 that, that there's a healthy fear there, that there would be anything between me and God, that there would be anything between you and I. He's called us to love one another. He's called there to be unity between us. Uh, and, and even that projecting, you know, if it wasn't that way among us, that projects out into the community. Um, you know, how, what gets out about a lot of churches, not you know, what Brother Conrad said, the best thing that could get out about Cheetah Baptist Church is that God is in the midst of them. What gets out about a lot of churches is they fuss and they fight. You know, that there's, there's on the way to, I think it's on, on the way to Crockett if you go through Groveton. I, f- I forget what little place that is, but you've probably seen it before, brother. I know you're on the Lovelace side, so you probably don't go, you know, that way, you know, very often. But, but there's a church you can tell was the older church over here, and right across the street is the new one. And I bet you they pull up in the, the parking lot, and they think about so-and-so over there across the street, and they just can't get over it. Um, we don't want that to get out about, about us. But it, the word of God containing the judgments of God, which are true and righteous altogether. Uh, but you know, what David is, is saying unto us here is the word of God produces an effect within the people of God. It's doing something. It's doing something. I mean, there's the glory of God being declared through the light that is shining through those windows right now. And there ought to be the glory of God being declared through our lives also. We're to be the light of the world, salt of the earth, 
I mean, men are to see our good deeds and glorify our Father which is in heaven. You know, they ought to see this in us, right? James 1.25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, I mean, recently received a vile text from a person who, if I had asked them before they sent that text, they would have more than likely told me that they were a Christian. Okay? If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Do you care about what God's Word says? Because he says, let no corrupt communication proceed forth out of your mouth. I was, it's probably TMI for you, but I was in Home Depot in the restroom in this stall, and there's a man right beside me in the next stall that was just fuming about the toilet in the stall that he first walked in that was stopped up. I mean, vulgar. Out loud. It wasn't just in his thoughts. And it was coming out of his mouth. And it's all around us all the time. And what is it, what is it like? It, exactly. I was going to say, what's it like in God's sight? It's like that, that stopped up toilet. You know, it is filthy. It is corrupt. Um, and they see nothing wrong with it whatsoever. In fact, when I was going to school, a lot of them thought it made them look cool and big and grown up. And, you know, Brother Johnny Carter, he'd, he'd be out there standing, you know, on the college campus, and here he is witnessing to these kids, and they'd come up and use that vulgar speech. And he'd look at them with compassion, and he'd say to them, you know, I, I learned all those words when I was just a little bitty kid. I thought you were smart. You know, you're here on this college campus. I thought you were smart. And then he'd say something to him like this. Tell me, how does a brown cow eat green grass and produce white milk? You know. On one hand, they probably think that's silly. But on the other hand, this is something God's done. You know. Uh, again, I probably now nah, I'm not gonna say that. I was gonna say I'd say something that's probably TMI, but but you think about that milk coming out white. Yeah, that's God's work. It's God's work. How about this? Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this: to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep Himself unspotted from the world. What I said before: God's word has an effect upon us. God has done something. In us, our hearts have been changed. We've been made a new creature. We are a new creation. We we're a new race of people. Um, because of what God has done, because of the redemption that is ours in Christ. So the Word of God produces an effect in the believer by the Spirit of God. And you you read these these verses, and we'll we'll start reading them now, but. You read these verses like verse number 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. Well, the first thing that kind of comes to mind, are you talking about the commandments? 
You're talking about the Decalogue? No, I'm talking about the whole, I'm talking about the whole book, you know. Um, the whole body of revealed truth. All throughout. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All of it's profitable, right? This is what David's referring to here. And what a blessing in this confused, cynical, sin-cursed, vile world uh, that we live in to have the certainty and the trustworthiness of the Word of God. You have a peace. You have a rest. They do not know. They do not know. So David says in verse number 7 that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. He's not saying that we can be saved by keeping the law. You know, we know that's not how salvation is attained. And you think about the rich young ruler who comes before the Lord and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, you do all these, I've kept all those from my youth. Well, you have one thing you like. Go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the young man went away very sorrowful because he had great riches, right? And, of course, you get into the whole conversation. The disciples are like, how, how can anybody be saved? And we're talking about more than just earthly riches like being able to count stacks of gold. Um, you know, we're, anybody can treasure anything, right? They could be rich in all sorts of things. They just couldn't give up. Um, but then you have a man like Saul of Tarsus, sat at the feet of Gamaliel, was, was on his way. He was a rising star. You know, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, he goes into some of his pedigree, you know, and talking about being, you know, of, of, of the tribe of Benjamin and talking about being this and that. And he said, I counted it all refuse. Counted it all dung that I may win Christ. That I might know that I know him. That I might go back to Jeremiah 20, 9, 23 and 24 and glory in this that you understand and know me, you know. Um, so Paul says, I counted it all loss. Everything that I was living for, I gave it up. He said, now my life is hid in Christ, right? So we could see God in creation and his glory there, but in his word we see the greater of the revealed truth in his son and the glory of God in salvation by Christ. Psalm 36 verse 9 says, For with thee is the fountain of life, and in thy light, you finish it, we see light. I wouldn't see any if it weren't for his light. If he hadn't enlightened my eyes, you know, I, I, I think um, in some respects about, about uh, Jonathan, and he ate the honey, and it says his eyes, you know, were opened, enlightened, you know. Um, you know in, in his light, we see light. I mean, what if we didn't have the light of God's word? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And thy light, we see light. Uh, it, the revelation of God unto us, opening our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear and that we could comprehend and understand and obey. What a miraculous thing that is. But David says the law of the Lord is perfect. It's complete. I mean, there's nothing lacking. There is nothing you need to know. Remember a need-to-know basis? Military? There's nothing 
that you need to know that is not contained in here. Nothing. Now, I know we talk about some things sometimes. We wonder about some things sometimes. But nothing that you need to know. There is nothing that you need to know that is not contained in this book. I don't need to know what color Joseph's pants were, you know, or where they are. Um, you know, because that's, you know, the, you look for relics, right? Um, some religions do. But there's nothing that we need to know that's not here. Everything is, con- the law of the Lord is perfect. Hmm? They're in the Vatican? Yeah. There's probably a lot of things in the Vatican we don't know uh, are there. But um, it's complete. All I need to know is revealed right here, right here. Beyond these things, the secret things, what, belong to him. They belong to him. Um, I've heard wise men say before that where the scripture is silent, and I think I've told some of you young men this, where the scripture is silent, we ought to be also. In other words, we definitely can't be dogmatic about the things the Scripture's silent on. Yeah, yeah. Now, we can talk about some of those things, and, you know, you do. I know. I know you do. That's why I, I bring you up a lot, you know. I, and, and, and there's times that, believe it or not, Brother Bruce, there's times that we're having conversations at home, and the kids will ask me a question. And I said, that is a great question for Brother Bruce. <laughs> he likes to talk about those kind of things, you know. Uh, the kind of questions that they would ask, you know, they're like, well, what about that, Dad? I'm like, well, I don't really know. Brother Bruce may have an idea or a thought on it, you know, so you can go talk to him about it. But the law of the Lord's complete. William Plummer says this, Now when we come to the instruction of God's law to his word, then this, in the way that the Son provides for us physically. We said last week that without the Son there would be no life, didn't we? Talking about that sunshine through that window. Without the Son, there would be no life. He says that the Son provides for us physically. He says this is the source of life spiritually. Right? Break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me. Right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Here it is. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God has been given to us right here. What I need to know right here. What I've been given, take my lifetime to explore. I mean, I sit sometimes. Here I've been behind this pulpit for 28 years. How far have I gotten? You know? I mean, I'll, I'll go back and, 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 and look, because not everything's on sermon audio, but I'll go back and look at my computer. Yeah, but we, we've been through that book. We've been through that book. We've been through that book, but there's so many that we haven't been through. There's so much ground that we haven't covered. I mean, it'll take my lifetime to be able to sound out the depths that are in this book, what God has shown us in his word. So no, the law can't save, but it's like a level. It shows what's crooked. It shows what's crooked. We, we, we have that all the time in our profession. You know, we got short levels, got longer levels, and we got great big long levels. Um, and we put them on the wall. That wall's not straight. That wall, or a square, put it in a corner, that wall's out of square. 
uh, tape measure, you know, pulling it across and finding out that it's, you know, the building is two inches out of square. Um, not sure how that happened, but it did. It's too late now. You know, somebody's already poured the concrete foundation. Um, you're probably not going to notice that your room's two inches out of square. Danny. <laughs> Unless you take a tape measure out. But here's the law, and it does. It shows us. It shows a crooked stick's a crooked stick. You put something straight up against something crooked, it shows how crooked it really is. You know, it just kind of looked crooked before. And believe me, I look at a lot of boards every week. And you turn one up on its side and it crowns this way or it bows out that way. You know, you put a straight one up next to it. It shows how crooked it really is. Like a compass, it points us to the right way so that we can see we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? Tells us that. But if our heart is right in the sight of God, then our desire is like David's desire here. To please the Lord in all that we do. I want to know, Lord. I want to know. If, if there's some secret fault, Lord, that I, I want to know. Lord, I don't want to displease you in anything that I do. I want all that I say. You know, every word that I say, I want to be acceptable in your sight. Uh, I realize we fall short. But it is, is it not your desire to please the Lord above all things? Whether we eat, here he goes again. He uses that verse all the time. Or we drink, or whatsoever we do, that we do all to the glory of God. Brother Merle said this, he said, to know him is to love him, and to know his will is to do it. Is to do it. And if you know his will and law, and yet refuse to obey him, then you likely neither know him or love him. That's the reality of it. What's the object? Here in this verse, it says converting, restoring, restoring the soul. It deals with the heart. The Word of God just doesn't deal with the outside. You know, do this, don't do that. You know, on the outside, don't touch this, touch that. You know, it deals with the heart. That, that's what Paul fondly, I mean, he thought he was just like the rich young ruler. He was pretty good shape until that thing of covetousness, just like the money that the Lord told the rich young ruler, go sell all you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me covetousness was the thing you know Paul thought on the outside or Saul of Tarsus thought on the outside he was okay he was going about to establish his own righteousness he's walking around with a wide phylacteries he was standing on the street corners making long pretense of prayer he was standing in the temple and looking at the public and saying I've got I'm I'm, I'm glad I'm like that guy God you know that that guy's bad that guy's a publican that guy's a tax collector. That guy sold out his own people. That guy takes money from us and gives it to the Romans. That's not me. You know, Cohen and I were talking about this morning. You can always find somebody to compare yourself to and come out on top. And there that man was. I give tithes. I do this. I pray. You know, I'm glad I'm not like that man. And the Lord said, which one went down to his house justified? And there's the publican smiting himself upon his chest not even looking up to heaven, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It deals with the heart. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure. It is sure. The commandment of the Lord is pure. And so it, it, it's right, or it's perfect, I'm sorry, and it's sure. It converts the soul and it makes wise the simple. I'd already jumped to verse number eight. Has it made you wise? Wise unto what? Unto salvation. When we were at that conference, there was one young man that his mother was telling me about, about I think it was his mom, not sure. I don't know everybody that was there, but she was talking about somebody that was in you know, their room and they hadn't made it to breakfast, which was very unlike them, but their alarm, you know, they make all kinds of alarms, right? They make the ones that have the little helicopter blade on top and when your alarm goes off, it shoots off the top and goes across the room and you gotta go retrieve that, so you gotta get out of bed. So you gotta go retrieve that and put it back on there before the alarm will go off. They've got some that have wheels on them too, and so they just take off the nightstand. Must be pretty tough alarm clocks. And they run across the room, and you've got to go chase them down. Well, this particular young man, he had, to, he had math problems. You may know what I'm talking about now, uh, Donnie, I don't know. But when, it, when his, I don't know, but his alarm went off, and so there are math problems that he had to solve. Or his alarm wouldn't stop going off. Phones are pretty expensive if that's your alarm. So you might not want to throw that out, you know, but anyway, might be able to turn it off. I don't know. But um, so you, you, you think about what David's saying here. Well, my salvation hasn't made me smart enough to figure out that math problem, turn off that alarm clock. It'd still be going off now. And that was over a week ago. You know, the battery would have run out uh, unless you plug it back in. Like, I can get that. And you go out seeking help. Teresa, can you solve this for me? Yeah, my alarm won't go off. I need to call this customer, and this alarm is going off, you know. But, but no, it's not. But it makes us wise, as Sister Linda said, unto salvation. How much wiser could you get? You know, where's, where's the wisdom of Archimedes? Or where's the wisdom of Galileo? Or where's the wisdom of Einstein in that day? If they didn't know the Lord, what difference does it make? I mean, I'm not saying I'm not thankful. Uh, we, we've, we've, I mean, this, this gadget right here, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been able to develop that. I, you know, the, the, the phone there, you know, I wouldn't, those things, a watch. I mean, all the intricate parts inside of a watch and the windings and the gears and the cogs and, you know. <clears throat> I mean, my, my fingers are so big, I'd have trouble putting the hands even on the face, you know, of it. But to fit, I'm thankful the Lord's given man understanding. But don't glory in those things. Glory in this, that you understand and know me, he says. If we indeed do, I hope that you do, that you know him. So, verse number eight, the statutes of the Lord are right. Aren't you glad? There's not any error, you know, there. There's something, oh, I believe that, I'm done for, you know. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Don't, 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 you, don't you rejoice in knowing God's Word? Don't you rejoice in the truth? Don't you rejoice in righteousness? Don't you love it? Don't you hunger and thirst after it, you know? Uh, like the deer pants after the water brook. So my soul pants after thee. Rejoices the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
When you think about statutes, that's, that's, that's like a law. Most people don't like those. What do you mean I have to drive 55 miles an hour? If that road over there is 75, or you get out there in New Mexico in the desert, it's 80, why can't it be 85 everywhere? You know, they'd be doing it right through the school zone if they could. You know, some of them try it. But people don't like statutes. Men are rebellious by nature. But God changes our hearts, and we love God's law, and we love God's testimonies, and we love God's word, and we love God's truth. They're, it's right. And when we do wrong, we're like, that wasn't right. And I'm going to have to go and tell Brother Bruce, I'm sorry, because I, I, I was wrong to say that to him, you know, or to feel that way about him. I've never said anything like that or felt any way like that. There's never been anything. It was easy for me to use you for an example because I wasn't going to offend you and say, oh, yeah, I remember that. You know, that, that was awful. You know, thanks for bringing that back up. Um, but that's not the case. Um, not that it couldn't happen. You know, right? The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Sin brings sorrow. Obedience brings joy. And how about the times you haven't done what the Lord impressed upon you to do? How would you feel about not doing that? Or how about when sin has tempted you and you've given into it and, and you thought, you know, this, this is going to be, you know, it, it promised so much. But in the end, I mean, it just felt like death. Um, the godly person rejoices in the statutes of the Lord because they are right. Because they are perfect. Because they are sure. Because they are enlightening. The wicked do not rejoice in those things because that's what they are. Enjoy that, Cohen. One day that's not going to be happen anymore. Enjoy your grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. They met at the door coming through. I tell my girls, spend time when you, we go over there. Spend time. They're not always going to be here. Spend time with them. Enjoy them. I, do you enjoy God's word? Do you spend time with it? You know, spend time with it every day, every day. Not, not just today I've got to read these chapters, done. You know, take something with you throughout the day from whatever it is that you're reading. If you read one verse, you know, do you have to read three chapters? I'm not saying it's wrong to re- try to read through the Bible in a year, but if you're reading through the Bible in a year just to read through the Bible in a year, that's not good. It's profitable. Read it in such a way that it's profitable. Pray as you're reading it. Ask the Lord to speak to you. Um, just one verse, yeah, can feed you all day. Uh, how much of it have we memorized? What if you get locked up one day? Not because you did something wrong, but because you did something right. How much are you going to have if they won't let you have it? And that little tiny Bible is not going to help me if I don't have the magnifying glass. You know, you all saw that last week, didn't you? Um, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, I don't know. Um, We are his children and we desire to walk in the light. Walking in the light of his word. Lord, search me. Lord, try me. Lord, know me. Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the path of life. Lead me in righteousness. 
Uh, keep me by your power. Uh, we, we, we love the light. We welcome the light. Uh, we don't want to hide from the light. We want the light to expose. We want the light to reveal. We want the light to give us understanding. We want to have our eyes enlightened. In his light, we want to see light. We said that earlier. Verse number nine, we've got to move along. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Are we a God-fearing people? Is there a reverence for these things? An adoring, a loving, a worshipful fear. The fear of God that delivers us from the fear of men. How about that? You know, God's greater. I'm going to reverence him. Didn't we tell you no more to preach in this man's name? Well, you choose whether it's right, you know, to do what God says or what you say. You know, what's right in God's sight? Um, one man said, they who fear God need fear anything else. Need not, rather, sorry. Those who fear God need not fear anything else. Hebrews 12 talks about it, doesn't it? Verse 28, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, right? Well, his judgments are true and righteous. They again cause rejoicing. They're pure, they're clean, they're true, they're right. They're the thing that concerns us. We're concerned with these things. We know that what he's written is right and true and best for us. In verse number 10, let me ask you, is this, I know you don't have a whole lot of money in the bank, Danny. Is this worth more than all the money that you have in the bank? Is it worth more than anything else you possess? Is it worth more? I'm not saying it's wrong to have possessions. But is this your most treasured possession? Is it sweeter than anything else to your taste? Hmm? You know, yesterday we were walking through the, the fair went into the community center where the smart people are that set up their booths because it's air conditioned um, and there was somebody in there that they were selling jelly I hadn't had any Mayhaw jelly in a long time brother JT you got any Mayhaw jelly in your cabinet yeah yeah um, well the uh, Somebody asked him, if you ask or Rebecca asked them, can we taste it? I thought, it's all sealed. Why would they let you taste it? But there was a cooler. He had a jar. He got a brand new spoon, stuck it in there and handed it to him. I think y'all all, all kind of shared it. But uh, I forget, what did you say about it, Anna? You were, you were surprised um, at the taste. Uh, but, and it was, it was sweet. You expect all jelly probably to be sweet. I guess, did they make any jalapeno jelly? Don't know. I figured you would know. You know, you haven't had any jalapeno jelly. Okay. If I come across some jalapeno jelly, I'll get some for you. What, what, do you? Would you want it on your toast? If you're a really spicy person, I guess maybe. But she said it was sweet. Is this sweeter? Is this sweeter than honey? Is it sweeter than the honey that, that drips off the honeycomb? Is it sweeter? 
So is it sweet unto you? Does it rejoice your heart? Verse number 11 says that it's by these things that we are warned. Not too long ago, Cohen went through a driving course and is going through one now. There are warning signs. I think MacArthur has a track back there that in front of it says stop. Underneath it, it says, who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? Do you treasure its warnings even? You know? Citizens of Christ's kingdom, are these things of little concern to you? Or are they of great concern to you? What does God say that I ought not to do? What does displease him? What has he warned me about? What comes to your mind first? Warnings. Hmm? In here. Anything? Get a bunch of blank stares. Hmm? Okay. Uh, the commandments that are given unto us. He's the warnings. What warning comes to mind out of his word? Mm, that's a good one. Uh, those who do, what will be added to them? The curse is written herein, right? Mm-hmm. False gospel, false, false teachers, um, wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah, I mean, there's warnings in his word, right? I'm trying to wake you up. Hmm, yeah, there's warnings. There's warnings. Um, you think it, Paul warned Timothy you know, about being wearing a, beware of that coppersmith. He did me great harm. Um, there are warnings. To the Christian, there is delight in God's commandments. Do we keep them perfectly? No, but our desire is to do so. And Brother JT mentioned that uh, verse of Scripture in, in Isaiah 30, verse 21 and thine ears shall behold a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand or when you turn to the left. There's a warning, right? And here we are, the Lord you know, sees we're, we're supposed to be, keep your eye upon the light, right? And here we go. And the Lord says, wait. The Spirit of God says, wait. You know, there's a warning. You know, this, this is, it's the whole traffic signal thing, right? And you got a green light, okay. But here's a yellow light. You're heading into territory, you know, that you need to be cautious. You need to be on guard here. Beware. Then there's a red light. You better stop. You better stop. Don't go any further. <clears throat> Proverbs 21, 21 says, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness and honor. And then we kind of already talked about, verse number 12, about understanding his errors. We, we mentioned that when we were going through reading the passage, cleanse me from secret faults. Do we have them? Do every one of us have some, some secret faults that we don't, I mean, we think that we've arrived. Um, you know, Paul hadn't arrived. Um, you know, do we not understand there's, I mean, we're, we're being sanctified, right? You know, cleanse me from secret faults. Keep me by your power. Psalm 51, you know, uh, created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Verse number 10 says, Our desire is obedience. 
from a heart that has been created anew. In verse 13, he says, Keep thy servant back from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright. Keep me, Lord, and I'll be kept. Um, we, the disciples said, teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. All right, come on. What else? As we forgive those who trespass against us, and there, there we are. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, keep me from that. <clears throat> David saying, keep me from great sin. You know, keep me from being presumptuous. Let us sin that grace may abound. No, God forbid. How can we, how can we have been delivered from that, live in that? I mean, who, would, who wants to live there? It's dirty. It's not clean. It's filthy. Uh, it, it, it's not right in the sight of God. It doesn't please God. Keep me from presumptuous sin. Second Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. I mean, there are presumptuous people all around us, aren't there? Well, God's just too good to cast anybody in hell. Well, God's love, um, and they're presuming things. They're, they're, they're sinning in God's sight and doing what their conscience is telling them this is wrong until they wound it to the point that it doesn't say anything anymore you know, about that particular sin. Uh, but presuming God is too good to cast them into hell, uh, that in the end everybody's going to be saved. Well, that's not what this book says. That's not what we're told here. Presuming they can ignore these things. Right? There's a lot of things we could talk about in presumption, but, but that we would presume, of all people, that we could sin and get away with it. Be sure, right? Your sins will, they will find you out. They shall find you out. Can a man take fire unto his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Um, Though the Christian desires to be cleansed from secret faults and to be kept from presumptuous sins. That's what he's telling us here. I, I want to be kept from willfully, knowingly doing what is wrong in the sight of God. As well as being kept from doing those things which are wrong in God's sight that I don't know are wrong. The Christian desires to be kept back from such devastation as that. Keep me, Lord, from the great transgression that not only would dishonor you, but would devastate me. You think David felt pretty devastated after Bathsheba? And disappoint my brethren. And ruin my witness and testimony unto others. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. 
mouth and heart, heard and unheard by the ear of man, all heard by the ear of God. What is observable on the outside in the sight of man, what's discernible on the inside in the sight of God? Are we concerned? Are we concerned with our speech? Are we concerned with our thoughts? God is. David was. The Christian is. The Christian is. Are we careful not to offend? Who's the most important person in the audience? God is. He hears. God is. He knows. I mean, a lot of people around us hearing what we say, not hearing what we think, but God knows it all. How would you like for your thoughts to be displayed on television for everybody to see? Matthew 12, 36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. The water cooler talk. You know, in the office place. Every idle word. There's no free zone. Um, There's no get out of jail, you know, card. Every idle word that men shall speak. That's pretty fearful, isn't it? They don't consider. But you do by the grace of God. Matthew 13, 15 and 16 says, This people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. They've suppressed the truth. Don't want God in their thoughts. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are what? Your eyes because what? They see. And your ears for they hear. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, not just in the sight of men, but in the sight of God. Let it be acceptable. That's the desire of the Christian's heart. That's the desire of David's heart here. This is a man after God's own heart, right? 